And welcome along to this week's episode of Behind the Boxes. I'm Mark Duclos. We've got a great show coming up for you today. One of the best trainers in Australia, if not possibly the world, Jason McKay will join us. We're going to talk about his career in Greyhounds, but we're also going to talk of have a uh, trainer's masterclass with Macca, and we're going to go through what he does to prepare his dog, what he feeds them, how he conditions them, how he looks after them pre and post race. So a massive show coming up with our very special guest, Jason McKay. But as always, I'm joined by my co-host, my partner in crime, the battler, Timmy Newbold. How's lockdown? What's this week? 143? lost count now duke but the countdown is on until we get out of it uh in a few weeks time so really looking forward to that uh really looking forward to Whitworth park resuming racing next wednesday night september 29 i think everybody can't wait to get racing back at Whitworth park so yeah it's uh things are looking up that's for sure duke and uh, how's your week have been i know uh you moved to grafton last week and I've got to say, I haven't heard much from you over the last week or so, so I'm tipping you've had a drama or two along the way. Oh, it's been traumatic, Timmy. It's been traumatic. There's nothing. We discussed last week how, what a low job moving is. I think the second lowest job, well, actually it may even supersede it, is unpacking and then packing up, putting stuff together very quickly. Uh, I've got two beds, one for the one of the bedrooms, one for, obviously for myself. Uh, and I undid the bed last week before we moved, put the screws that you need in a spot, got here, unpacked it, went to put the bed up and couldn't find the screws to the bed. Yeah. yeah. I went through 15 boxes. I counted them, 15 boxes before I found the screws to the bed, right? I'm still finding stuff now that I've got no idea where it is, uh, but I've got to tell you, I am, I am loving Grafton. Uh, it's a beautiful regional town. Um, the track's only literally three or four streets away. It's uh, about a three-minute drive. What's more so, Timmy, is that the jacarandas are just starting to bloom. Of course, the jacaranda festival happens here in late October. I am looking forward to that. The streets are looking fantastic, mate. So love Grafton. Uh, went to the trials the other morning. God. It's unbelievable. So mate. you have got a spare bedroom there. So I've got free accommodation when I make my way up that way. Yeah, oh, mate. Beautiful. Free accommodation. It's only 137 a night on Airbnb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your two chances of getting that. Two chances. None in Buckley's. <laughs> yeah. All right. As I said, our very special guest today is leading trainer Jason McKay. He has put the polish on some of the best dogs in Australia. He's won some of the biggest races. And Jason McKay joins us now. Mackie, you've got to turn your phone sideways if you could for a see that. Oh, look at that. He's a genius. He's done it. <laughs> uh, for a man who reckons he's, techni- he's technical technology challenged. You've done a great job, Macca. Welcome to Behind the Boxes, buddy. Thanks for having us, Duke. Good man, mate. We know you've won some of the biggest races in Australia. I, I want to go right back to the beginning. Um, tell our viewers and our listeners, where did it all start for Jason McKay? Mark, I'm not sure what year it was, but I, I just remember as a very young age, um, my mum and dad, they come looking for me one day in the shed out of Bellbird up this way on the Hunter Valley. There was a dog in a kennel which nobody could get a near of. And in them days, he was fast. It was a dog called Lush Tracker. I had no idea it was at the time, but even my old man and uh, uncles and that, very few people could get a near him. So I think I was only three or something at the time, so they tell the story. They come looking for me, can't find me. I'm wrapped up with this dog in the kennel asleep, they, and the dog wouldn't let no one come in near the kennel while I was in there. So sort of way, straight away, at an affinity straight away with the dogs, and I think it just blossomed from there, Mark. I think I was about 13 when I was starting to get serious, obviously. Dogs couldn't have been in my name, but I trained 30 or 40 winners when I was 13 or 14. So very early start and um, a few hard roads, a few smacks in the mouth along the way, but it's ended up the right side of the barrel anyway. And your dad had dogs as well, mate, the family, your, your cousins, your uncles and all that. Yeah, everyone's in them. Bar- um, Barry Gibbons, uncle now and young Bluey, they're part of our family. They've been in dogs sort of as long as I can remember. And my old man trained dogs. My mum trained some there for a while and uh, a couple of the other uncles along the way. But it's just, it's like anything, Mark. It's in the blood. 
it's just hard to sort of step away, you know what I mean? And Jace, you're based at Richmond Vale near Curry Curry. Uh, tell us about the property, the setup, how many kennels you've got and the like. And how many have you actually got in work and on the property? Uh, she's set up here, Tim. There's 36 kennels here. There's a couple of vacancies. They just bit the dust lately, just not what class we're looking for. So there's all there's never not 30 here, Tim. There's I think there's a there's a fair list up, a lineup just waiting to come along if if the proper one comes along we'll, we'll find a kennel that's for sure but they're usually pretty full up and uh when you got 30 or 30 plus in work it's a lot of dinners a lot of checking a lot of slipping a lot of baths all of that sort of stuff there's a fair bit involved mate maca going back to the the beginning what was the first dog that really set you on the road to success mate uh at, probably at a very high level probably would have been Big Sam Banner at an early age from Barry Gibbons and him, the uncle. He won a, a Vic Peters and he also won an Association Cup at a very young age. He made the top gun, broke the record at Richmond over 618 and he ended up being crown greyhound of the year. So I think that sort of flicked a few switches, Duke, to tell the truth. And um, you're always trying to get another one, mate, when all them, all them little accolades come along the way. You're always looking at that next one with all them little dots and T's that Make the good ones, mate. Well, I've got to tell you, you are the hardest marker of anyone. I say to for the people that are like Macker is one of the, my great mates, and and I'll say to him, "What's your benchmark?" He'll go twenty nine five at Gardens. I go twenty nine five. He goes twenty nine five. That's it. If they can't run twenty nine five, can't have them. I go Macker. Anything that runs twenty nine fifty one, send them my way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to love that, Mark. Don't get me wrong. We've we've sort of set a presence a long time ago. There, there's times now where you'll give a few 400-metre dogs a go. You'll give the 29.7s and 29.8s a go, but they just don't last long, Mark. Simple as that. They'll get two, three. They might get a half a dozen runs if they're lucky. But we're just looking for the elite stuff that can get down around the records on, on all the proper tracks. And just got to have the good habits. You've just got to be able to travel. They've got to kennel. They've got to wait. They've got to handle bad boxes. They've got to have speed. They've got to be strong. <laughs> There's a lot of ticks you've got to have along the way to find a one. The list goes this long. <laughs> yeah. You just got to keep – you just hope one day you get that next one. You know what I mean? You get a, a lot of them get off to a great start when they're first six or eight in a row, but they've raced the B graders, the fifth graders. They've got to take that next step and find the ladder. And when they set themselves a very hard president, they've got to get better not go backwards. So a lot of them don't make it, Mark. And, uh, and Jace, it's funny you actually mentioned that Greyhound of the Year, Big Sam Banner. I remember that night quite well. It was a big celebration, that's for sure. <laughs> he loved it. Barry, Timmy, didn't he? We're not what I can remember of it. Sure did. Now, um, now you've had a long association with Marty and Fiona Hallinan, and they race all the Greyhounds with the, you know, the zipping prefix. Zipping Bailey, she won the Golden Easter Egg in 2019. Now, where does that victory sit with you as far as your achievements are concerned? Well, that's a huge call, Tim. Don't get me wrong. I think everyone, especially in New South Wales, your dream is to get that Easter egg, mate. I chased it, as you know. I chased it as long as I can remember back with Banner Park run 13 at the Brett Lee. And that just give you that little bit of adrenaline, that little bit of fire to you want another go at that, that, that sort of time, that type of calibre of race. But the Melbourne Cup's high on the list. You're away from home. You're not much hope. You got a bad draw. Not the fastest dog. And he found a way to get home. We got a bit of luck, don't get me wrong, but he found a way to get home. But I'd have to say the Easter egg, Tim, owned by Marty and Camo and Fiona, which is a special spot for us with all the zipping dogs. I had all my family there that night, which was great. And hey, Tim, just to, to listen to your call, I've kept that, saved that in my phone, that call. Like, when you look at it in hindsight, they're the best eight sprinters in Australia. She's a dead set last to leave the boxes. She's last at the winning pace. She actually gets checked and bumped off the rail, running equal fifth going through the catch and pen. She gives the leaders 12 lengths and somehow found a way to win. Like, in a fifth grade, yeah, you, you'd cop it, but being the Easter egg and, and the pinnacle in New South Wales and a huge group one, the way she'd done it against the elite company was, that's probably the run I've ever had, to be honest, Tim. Uh, Duke, Jason's made mention of a, a, a call there, which 
I actually found on my phone three or four months ago of the golden Easter egg, me calling the race up in the broadcast box. And I got a big thrill out of calling that race. And it's probably the, one of the biggest thrills I have because I've known Jason since I was 18 or 19, a young administrator, young caller coming through the ranks in Newcastle, the Hunter Valley. And I sent Jace uh, the video because I, I it was a couple of years, well, couple of years old. And I'd come across it. I was deleting out of the phone and I sent it to Jason. I, I think it gave him a bit of a thrill to, to, to go back and listen to the call because yeah, and there was a bit of a punch in the air, Duke, when she won. Don't, don't worry about that. By Blackboard, Miss Linda Miro. They jam behind the leader. Zippy Bailey is hammering home. Federal Lily in front. Here's Zipping Bailey. She's descending. Zipping Bailey grabbed the lead of the egg. The Nova Castrian. Zipping Bailey has beaten Federal Lily. Hey, Macker, I just want to run you through some of the dogs you've prepared during your career. Have a listen to these. Snoz, Young Snoz, Smart Missile, Straight Shift, who's currently going around at the moment. Zipping Lad, Aston Duke, Zipping Willow, Mr. Twister. The list goes on and on. But I want to talk about Ando's Mac. You touched on him just a minute ago. He won that Melbourne Cup in 2016, had box five. Now, I was trackside for Sky on that night. And you are one of the toughest men I've ever met in my life. And a hard man, but a man who loves his family and loves his mates. I've got to tell you, Macca, I did see a tear in your eye that night when Ando's Mac won. He called... Duke, that night, that's sort of one of them nights you you sort of you mixed emotions, tell the truth. I'm looking halfway up the straight. I'm going, I seen that thing coming at him and I, I knew it was a powerhouse. I just thought to myself, I didn't say anything. I just thought, I oh, don't run him down. He don't deserve it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> out of the blue, you weren't sure where I was positioned. I weren't sure if he won or not. But I knew we got there, Mark, because I got flattened. I reckon there's eight or ten people jumped on us. I was on the bottom. I rolled over. I, I remember trying to, I was just sort of, it, it was real surreal for a minute. You lost your legs, you you got real emotional, you got the big Adam's apple, you're thinking, well, I've won the richest race in the world, and you, you're sort of just trying to come to grips with it. But, so, hey, Mark, it didn't take that long to come to fruition when we got out in the track and had a bit of a look around. That you, you sort of, you just roll with it as it went, but it was a huge occasion, I've got to say that. It, it was it was a night that, as I say, I remember so vividly, trackside for Sky there. Um, Anthony had a dog in the race, uh, Zembor of Rocky, I think it was. Um, you had a runner. There were a couple of other mates that had runners as well. April was there. Dan Flanagan was down there with you as well. Um, but it, it rates for me as one of my best interviews I've ever done in the sense that it's, it's one of those interviews where you see a mate climb a mountain and get to that top of the mountain, you see the look on his face when he realised that he's won the race that he wanted to win. And to see you that night after Endo's Mac won, and just to see the look on your face, I think, Mac, that was the thing. I, I saw a tear in your eye because I had tears in my eyes as well just for feeling so happy for you, buddy. Well, I've never heard a true thing, Mark, because most of them, don't get me wrong, that crowd in Victoria is, is dead set against us. <laughs> It don't matter what type of sport it is or whatever. They they wanted the Melbourne Cup to stay in Victoria. Don't get me wrong, but I remember even after doing the speech and we finished, some of the autographs and photos we got with a lot of the locals, like it just went on and on and on. So they, they don't get me wrong, the, the dog was a bit of a, a favourite, I think, with punters. Not so much in the Melbourne Cup because they just knew he'd be straight in front. One of those faultless beginners chased his backside off every time he went around and he used to make his own luck Duke, which is everything that you've got to win the race to the winning pace the first time that's what he done give himself a chance we had a bit of lady luck and he got across the line but just the patron is that night down there from people i'll probably never see again duke photos and autographs and carrying on well we'll carry on with them anyway so and we're uh, drinking upstairs <laughs> we, we had the we had the cup up in the bar after the last remember yeah we give him a bit of a toy up up there we filled her up a few times i can't remember what the, the finishing time was but it's just, I, you, you, you've got to grab a hold of those occasions because it's probably a one-off thing don't get me wrong yet you, you aspire one day to have another crack one day and get a hold of it again but that it was a real surreal furling and a and one i'll never forget yeah 
I'll tell you what, I won't forget it either. I had a tear with you guys, the $18 they bet too. I'll <laughs> in the broadcast box at Richmond. Oh, gee, we give him a kick home. God bless him. Uh, oh, Batler got something. Yeah, I got something. Don't worry about that. Now, Jace, uh, zipping gar. Now, he was unbeaten in five runs, ran unbelievable times, some massive victories uh, before his career was brought uh, to an abrupt end through a shocking trial uh, injury. Now, he's one of the boom sides in Australia now. Where does he sit as far as you know, the quickest or the fastest greyhounds you've ever put a lead on? Hey, Tim, I'll just put it in perspective real quick there. Probably the most freak one we didn't talk about before, what we had was absolute freak was Texas goal. You just watch Texas goal go. If he was 15 or 20 off the lead with a lap to go, he'd win by 10. He broke five records, won a heap of group races, just took a, a stay in ranks by storm. But he was one of them dogs that just used to scare you a bit when you worked him, your troll or whatever, because you, you just knew he was going to break the clock, do something special. The closest one, Tim, I've had to, to Texas goal was punch one out. You know her as good as I do. It's still the current record holder at Richmond these days, 29.90, which is unheard of, tell the truth. Broke the record at Winnie as well in 29.27 in a semi of these three. And then that just shows the ability those two had. Then I've got a pup coming along, I think about his fifth trial, maybe sixth trial in a post-to-post -post at the gardens in Zipping Garth, 16 months of age. He just has his second look at the gardens post-to-post -post and broke punch one out's record. Broke a run home time and took a half a length off for overall time. I sort of got in the car that day thinking I won the Easter Eagle, the Melbourne Cup. I was just thinking, I wonder if all that really, if, if you got within four or five lengths of a record, you won all them dogs. He actually broke it when he was a baby, not even named. And make so, a look, he said, start now. Um, and you've got this zipping Garth, zipping Lily letter. There's also um, others coming through. But I guess it vindicates your opinion. I can't remember you ever standing another dog at start. Is that right? A hundred percent, Duke. Don't get me wrong. There's been, I don't want to name them all. You could, you know, as Mac could have stayed here. Smart Missile, fastest dog ever in the, the Speed Star in Melbourne, could have stayed here. Mr. Twister could have stayed here. You, you, I don't know. You could just keep going, zip and lad. Whoever they were along the line, had always a chance of staying here. We've put a fair few to stud, but I've never stood one myself. But Marty asked me one day with this dog, You've got a plan with him, haven't you? I said, yeah, I have. And I said, it's not a lot of starts, Duke. I said, he's only going to have about a dozen starts. If I can just do what I need to do, get to Albion Park and have a look, get to Sandy and have a look, and, of course, get to Winnie and have a look. It won't be long. It was going to be short, but it would have been a freakish career, mate, because I just knew how good this was. This dog was temperament to Duke. Fast as you could get. Mad chaser. Magnificent athlete. One of them dogs that you, you want to come along, which are rare. And no sooner I had him and was just starting to learn him, the little bits I wanted to learn him, the different tracks here and there to work it all out, I lost him. But like you say, one door shut and another one open. What he's done so far at start, he's off to an absolute boomer, mate. Zipping Maserati, is he the best of that zipping Lily Lutamacker? Uh, right now where we are, he's got a few little niggling issues. He went super through the graft and made his... He's 24-9 uh, winner at Maitland, which is great for young dogs. That's what you've got to run as well. But just the other night at Maitland, he just he rolled a little ligament in his uh, back and flared up a bit of inflammation. His run was ordinary the other night, but he's just back giving a bit of cheek now, so there's no planned date for him. But Marty will tell you on his break-in times, he's the fastest dog ever to break in at Bathurst. Do you think Marty's done or anybody else? There's a couple here, Duke, that I still haven't been able to fine-tune 100%. One's that Lopez who, as we've seen, Galton Grafton, he equaled the record up there at his second start without seeing the place. But I'm not sure he's going to end up that little fella. I've, I've trolled him against straight shift multiple occasions, and he beats him about four. And I've also trolled him against a couple others here who've got real high credentials, and he, he tells them. And it's just with sheer speed. He's a very good beginner, but he's got blinded speed. Now, time will tell down the track. If he ends up a 500-metre dog and a two-corner dog, he might end up a Simon Told Helen, something like that. He's that good, this dog. I'll tell you, he's just, I'm only 10 or 20% where I need to be with him. But in the next 
six or eight weeks. I'm not sure where he's going to end up. He, he's that good, this pup. All right, that is zipping Lopez. Uh, Batler, I know you want to ask Macker a question about the race he wants to win. Well, now hearing that, zipping Lopez, we'll be putting that in the black book. But now you've won the get money out of it at Grafton. Sorry, we left you out there. Yeah, bro. you left me out. Yeah, yeah. no, shock horror. Shock horror. Don't worry, you two will keep. You'll, t- you'll keep. Uh, now, look, you've won the Easter egg. You've won the Melbourne Cup. Now, there's one race, I'm sure you do want to win the million dollar chase not only for prize money jace but you've seen what the race has done for the industry in the last three years the crowds the, the coverage you know last year over eight hundred thousand on free to wear a couple hundred thousand with sky and whatnot so i'm sure that's probably the one you want to claim now the million dollar chase a million percent tim the, the true fact is there the amount of new people tim that this million dollars, the turnovers out of the planet, don't get me wrong, but the amount of new owners and trainers, some of the people, when you have a look at Sky, Tim, some of the new names you've seen, I've never heard of them, mate, but without the million dollar concept, you're probably not going to see them, but they just think now the sky's the limit, one day they may be able to contest a, a heat or country championship of the million dollar with a chance of getting there one day, it's just, it's just opened up a whole new world at in hindsight, if you're young or old, average trainer or top-notch trainer, if, if you don't want to win the million, you're probably a mug. It's simple as that. So, Tim, we had a crack at it the first round. We end up with two qualifiers, one run third, one run fourth, sort of just seeing that night how it all spiralled and Peter Gosciani, when he won that night, he chucked a backflip on the track. He, he couldn't believe it happened. That was, that's what it's all about, you know what I mean? You wait all your life for a surreal moment like that. and Tim, you never say whether it's this year or what year, but every one will come along one time. You just got to have them at the right time. Just got to stay sound. The fast ones, they, they get a few more tweaks and little bites on them along the way when they hit the accelerator a bit harder. But if you can just get the one at the right time and, and he stays sound and he's got all the good habits, I'd say you've got to be a chance for sure of snaring it one day. Well, you're going to have two cracks at it next year, Macca, April and October, and who knows whether it's Zipping Lopez, Zipping Maserati, or another one of your team. Um, we mentioned you've got 30 or 40 dogs on the property there. Um, your daughter, April, is now an integral part of your uh, your training setup, and and I know how much she loves you, not just as a dad, but as a mentor as well. Um, what's it like for you working with, with April and showing her the ropes? I know she's been in it since she was a baby, but... Now she's actually hands-on. Mark, I've got to be honest there. From a young, she's been with me since she was three. Wherever I went, my wife, Rochelle, used to sing out, you better turn around and come back. She's going off her head, you left her at home. Because I'm thinking late at night, you get swabbed, you're going to be home late. She'd have a little pillow, a little teddy bear and a blanket, mate. She'd cozy up there next to me. She's, and she always said to Rochelle, my wife or, or whoever, she'd say, but dad's got to have someone with him, you know. It's late at night when he comes home. Like, she had it in the blood, in the DNA, oil and from day dot. But just to be working with her now on a permanent basis, it's – I love it, Mark, tell the truth. I look around sometimes and it's a, it's a huge effort for her to – don't get me wrong, she's a foreman of that kennel, meticulous-wise, you know, bedding-wise, food-wise – the waters get done morning and night, Mark. The, the, the rugs have got to be hung up in a, in a perfect position. If I hang it up, she'll change it. <laughs> just just one of those, all them little, the little A's and B's you need to make it big time. But she's she's meticulous. She's brilliant work ethics, which you've got to have. You've got to have that bit of ticker to do the long hours and get your bum kicked too, Mark, along the way. That's just part of the deal. You're not, it's not all going to be big shiny roses every time you go to the track. There's going to be times you come home with a couple of injuries and a couple of unplaced and a couple of laughs, and there's plenty of times when dogs have got to move on, but she's hardened by all that. She she, she don't like a dog that whether it trials and, and you use an excuse because the track was a touch slow, the wind blew, or you missed the start. She said, the good ones do it all the time, Dad. I don't want to hear that. So she's, she's obviously she's got a bit of the sire line in her, Mark to pick up on all them little things but for her where she's at at this stage is mate she's come ahead and leaps and bounds I'll be honest she's brilliant she is 
and she absolutely loves the dogs, which is so critical. Maka, thank you for part one of our chat today on Behind the Boxes. Continued success uh, with the team, mate. You're going great guns. We're going to take a really quick break. And then on the other side of this, we're going to come back with a Jason McKay trainer's masterclass right here on Behind the Boxes. Welcome back to this week's episode of Behind the Boxes. Our special guest, of course, is one of the leading conditioners in Australia, one of my great mates, Jason McKay. We've now got a Jason McKay trainer's masterclass. And Macca, welcome back to the program. When it comes to training greyhounds, let's talk about feeding first. What does a typical racing dog's diet consist of in the Jason McKay kennels? The, the first hint I could give anyone there in any balance of training would be proper beef mints. Now, it might be easy to say that. It might be, um, there may be a lot of other choices, but the main reason, the best stopper you'll get is feed your dog preservatives in your meat. Now, a lot of people ain't going to be able to switch on to that. They're going to get their meat from a local pet shop wherever they got it up the road, blah, blah, blah. But prolong the meat to get the right amount, to get it through the knackery, to get it to the butchers, to get it to the dog people, they're going to put a preservative with it. And if that's the case, most of your dogs, they'll go good for four or six weeks and they lose a leg. So the first big thing there would be make sure you've got no preservatives in your meat juke. That's a huge start for anybody, whether you're a novice or elite trainer. You keep the preservatives out of your meat and you keep your, your, your animal and your bloods nice and healthy. So... That's your step one there. Obviously, you need a, a, a best base kibble, kibble as a roughage, so they can form a nice stool. Without the kibble and just using meat, it'll be loose and ugly, which is not good, not a good outlook for the dog. So basically, we use the, I think the dearest kibble out there is that Black Hawk. It's about 140 a bag, but just some of them you've got to chop and change. Usually, you need just your basic level cup of kibble, but some of the little bitches, because they'll do good on it, very strong and, and rich. You, you may have to give them a little bit less, but the dog will tell you where you're at. But Mark, I think you just got to, you got you can use a bit of your magnesium, a bit of potassium. You just got to watch now or any type of your fish oils, any tuna, or any cod liver oil, anything like that for swabbing reasons. The, the swabbing this day, they, they pick up on anything, mate, the technology these days. So you, you basically come back to your, your three veggies, which is great. Don't have to be every night, but we're big on veggies with your celery, your carrot and your parsley and maybe some baby spinach. Mark, all, all dogs from their nose to their bum are acidic, full acidic. And people won't understand what that means. It means they're crook. They're permanent crook, a grey and It just comes back to the man management of the trainer to keep them up week in, week out, keep them healthy massive amount of viruses that get around way stronger this day and age than they ever were. Plenty of infections, sniffing at the track, different kennels, um, different tracks, trials, wherever you go. You just got to sort of be able to be on top of it before it embeds and, and gets everybody, which is hard to do because especially here in this setup, we've got lots of dogs that come from all around Australia and you, you try and quarantine them as much as you can, blood test as much as you can, but they're still Obvious a bug can set in here and there and put you backwards, which has happened here not recently, uh, not too long ago, tell the truth. But, Mark, you, you're coming back to your, your feed and your meat. Obviously, a hard-working dog wants some type of suet fat as well. Some type of fat, suet fat, is what we use because uh, energy and rehydration for the dog. But, Mark, it's... A lot of people, I think, where they go wrong, they go to the, the pet barn or wherever they go, Mark, and they see a new product come out that someone spoke about, may have a bright lid on it, might be a different colour. They all get it. And a dog gets a scoop of this, a scoop of that, a scoop of this, a scoop of that. They're beating themselves. The, the amount of stuff you can put on a dog's tea, you'll end up purating the blood for the wrong reasons. You'll end up a thick texture, thick yeah. blood in a greyhound as a stopper. So basically, you just sort of got to watch what's going on your tea you got to know when to rehydrate you got to know when to take a bit away know when to add a bit but breakfast wise they use a bit of we use a bit of the yogurt and the kefir and white of the morning some get a biscuit 
some get a bit of the other, but you, you just got to keep it more basic than more extras, Mark, or you'll create your own problem. And Jason, what about mixing it up? Do you feed stews or something similar? And what about bones, which are obviously beneficial to the teeth? How often would you give give them bones? Well, sort of. You just depends if they're if they Tim. You, you like to look at the brisket bone of once a fortnight on a Sunday. You just got to watch it this day and age now. And you you can race Sunday and you can race Saturday night. And you you don't want to be collaring straight into a massive big bone when you haven't had time to metabolize out properly. So. I like to give them a, at least 24 hours after run before they have a brisket bone. Hey, Tim, in saying that, they can have one on a Sunday. I wouldn't eat Sunday after a run. I wouldn't be saying so big a one because they can blow them up and can lock them up tight ways when they try and let rip it and constipate them. So you've got to watch that side of things too because you can create your own problem. But, yeah, we mix all ours, Tim. All get soaked with water. And they all get mixed together and... And like you say, your additives, you've got to watch now. We use a bit of um, bit of honey here and there. We use a bit of Vegemite along the road. But we've had to drop off a few things because of if you're a chance of showing some type of swab with all your different oils that were available there for a long time. So all your, your mix, even of the morning like that, your, your kefir and all your white E and your, your coconut water all goes in together and your, your administration mix up, whether your powders, your additives all go in and all together. Maka, what about exercise? I know you use a variety of different, um, you know, basically elements to, to how you train. Uh, you use walking machines occasionally. Uh, you use the, obviously the gallops and that. What, what would a, a program look like for a dog racing, say, week to week at Wenny on a Saturday night? What's that seven day period look like? Starting from, they finish, they race on the Saturday night. What do they do on the Sunday and then what do they do in the lead up to next week? Righto, we raced at Winnie Duke and uh, irrelevant whether we won or run last. They come straight out in the car before we head home. They get a big drink, recharge, trying to load them up, fill them back up with whatever fluids they've lost to get them back in the in an imbalance that they, they need. Uh, they might even get an ice cream, vanilla ice cream, which is good for recovery, whether it's at McDonald's or at the track mark as well. I'm big on that. And, and the smart ones know when they win, when they get one, you, you don't want to start giving them an ice cream when they, they sort of get a fair way back. They they think that's okay as well. But, hey, Duke, um, we gallop here once a day. We walk here once a day. So, basically, Saturday, Sunday's a quiet day. They just go out in the sun yard Sunday, whether they win or lose. Sunday afternoon or, or probably Sunday night, they'll get their first check to see if we can see anything that's um, – stuck out that's quite noticeable but I'm more big on giving the dog a full rest and a feed watching his antics watching his walk antics watching his demeanor whether he's happy jumping around or not but it's the next day after that when we thoroughly check him to look for something that was deep suited where the adrenaline might have mastered that wouldn't allow it to come out so Sunday's a good time after a run to have a check but Monday as well just in case you miss something but we'll gallop Monday Mark We'll walk Monday as well. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, same procedure. White day, Friday. They still walk Friday. They won't gallop Friday. They won't gallop Saturday race day, but they'll walk Saturday race day as well, whether they're racing local or a fair way away. April's big on that, the walker. That's just something we've come up with, and I like just to keep them ticking over that race day or not, Mark. They, they're doing a little bit of exercise, open up the airways, Loosen them up a little bit if there's a little bit of tight, tight, um, tightness in the muscles or lactic acid or general soreness, you can remove it, mate. Macro, I know you're big on ensuring that a dog's blood is right. How often do you get it tested and what are you looking for in those results? Yeah, good call. To that, you, Mark, if it's in a human and someone called the ambulance and a human rolled over, the First thing they do when they get you in the ambulance and get you to the hospital is take your blood out of you and have a look what your problem is. They'll be looking for whether a snake bit you, whether you had a seizure, whether it's a heart attack, kidneys failed, for whatever reason. Same thing with a dog. and It mainly occurs with the elite ones because they hit the accelerator a lot harder than a normal one. You've got to be able to look for mine anyway, Mark. You've got to be able to look at their fuel. The, what I do here, I take the blood out. My blood profiles myself. I'm a bit fussy that way. 
I like to do them myself and I like to deliver them myself to Walls End, which is about 20 minutes from here. It's a human pathology that we use. The machine they use cost a hundred grand. So I know it's very meticulous. There's 28 different things we look at in the blood. Uh, a lot of the major things you're looking for is your oxygen carriers. And that's your three top things on your scar, which is your red cells, your pack cells, and your PCV, which is tells you if you're around the mark for a 500 meter run or more. Now Mark, in saying that, it, their readings in their red cell, their pack cell, their PCV are low, they're probably not going to find the line properly in a 500. Yeah. Um, any dog will find the line in a 300. It's just a makeup. There'll be no blood test. It just chases. It's ATP and his body will carry it for a good 20 seconds. So you get a 300 meter run. But if you start getting serious up the 500 and the endurance, the 600 and the 700s, especially up against the elite stuff, you've got to be checking the bloods that you're high in oxygen carriers. You keep an eye on your white cells. If they're elevated, which is high, you'd be chasing the infection. If they crash, it's a virus. So there's two different ways you go there too, but you, you can't guess and treat one because you're probably doing wrong by your dog because you don't actually know. So doing the blood profiles on them um, leads you into that area that's high or low and, and then you can treat it. But Mark, also in there, you've got to be big on their enzymes in their kidneys to see how they are, whether they're level, whether they're low, whether they're high. And same thing again. And probably the biggest one in greyhounds, which is very hard to keep an eye on, is their liver, mate. A heavy liver in a greyhound is a bad performance, as simple as that. Same thing again, you might get 300 metres, but you get slow recovery, you get excess lactic acid, you're lethargic, back up within a week, probably a bad performance. So if you can get an idea on the top six or eight things in a blood profile, make sure their oxygen carriers are strong, make sure their white cells ain't high or low, make sure they're in range so you haven't got a virus or infection. Keep your liver under control in its range. You don't want it too high because if it's inflated, it's pretty ordinary, pretty hard for a dog to do his best. Kidneys have got to be discreet and properly. A few other things there, Mark, too, but we might run out of time. Hey, Jace, uh, as far as worming is concerned, how often do you worm and do you stick to one particular brand or do you mix it up a little bit? I think, uh, Tim, I'm trying to like that for, I think the same thing, uh, an adult worm parasite can get immune to it and you may miss. So I like to go in at different stages. If we get a new dog here today, whether he's come from a, a new client, he said, yeah, Jace, I wormed him yesterday. I'll be keeping him here for four or five days, whether he wormed or not, so I know, and I'll start my procedure. We use a lot of that um, panicure for your main hook worms and whip worms. You've got to use that on their tea um, for three or four nights in a row. Now, Tim, a few little secrets with, with the panicure. You go giving them the panicure on an empty belly, you won't get much real um, effect. You may get the young ones, you may get some eggs, but the adult ones get in the um, small intestine or the large intestine. And until that intestine inflates, they ain't going to poke their head out and have a bite. So you've got to, you, that panicure must go on their teeth. The intestines enlarge, the adult worms wake up. They have a bit of a bite and a suck where they should do. And that's how you, you, you get rid of them a lot quicker that way on, on, a, on a full belly. Now, there's other, um, plenty of um, other prescription tablets, um, needle-wise, things like that you can do for your wormers. But we, I come back to the Dronosip for, um, as a tablet form, as a 10-day thing. If, if you missed anything with a panicure 10 days later, any eggs or hats or any novices, you've missed young juvenile worms, you can hit them again. Um, probably a, you, You're probably a six-week span, Tim, to keep a real eye on the on the um, parasites, mate, because same thing again with a hookworm or high data tape worm whips rounds. They'll pull your blood oxygen carriers down. You won't even know, and you, you'd be saying the dog's average. Parasites like that can suck all the goodness out of you and, and make you a bad performance. So your blood test tells you a lot about that as well again, Tim. 
Yeah, they can stop a train, can't they, Macca? Um, we've spoken about, you know, hydrating dogs after the race or a trial. Uh, we've got machines on the market like ultrasonics and lasers to trade injury, treat injuries uh, now, but you, you are regarded as one of the best muscle men in the business. Now, obviously for someone who may be new to the game or someone who's been in the game for a long while, but they're not, uh, they're not au fait with how to check a dog and, and, and find out the right injuries. What should they be doing when it comes to locating injuries? And, and again, are you a big fan of hand massaging now or is it too hard with so many dogs in work? I'll stick to the tried and true stuff with the, the hand and the iodized oil, Mark. I've, I've used that through my football days, Mark. I, I used all the um, laser, magnetic field, microtizer, machines, whatever. But before we got to the greyhounds, whatever, a decent type of injury I had, I wanted to know what hurled the quickest and, and the strongest and get you back out in the field and, and no reoccurrence. So I... I just went past all the machines, the lasers, microtizers, mats. I just went straight to the iodized oil, hands on. Um, like you said before, you've got to be able to detect the area. Once you can detect the area and find out what it is, whether it's a strain, whether it's a, a roll and a ligament, whether it's a muscle tear, whether it's a rupture, a hole, you can work on it and, and get them back a lot quicker that way with a mat out. The cal Mark, the callus is a, a little problem. You've got to have scarring and callus to hurl and protect, but you just got to watch over heating areas because you get too much and it becomes a restrictor. Comes very tight, no elasticity to it, and they can't stretch as far as they used to be able to. So, Mark, very hard situation, the, the checking for young people coming through. There's a mole of checkers out there, and there's a mole of them no good. Yeah. It's, it, it's simple as that. They're car salesmen. You take a dog to them that just won it 20 on a Saturday night, run 29.80, one by 10. They'll have you carrying into the car by squeezing too much pressure in the wrong areas on nerves or neurons, mate. So very hard. If you can find a, a proper person, if you're a young participant coming through that's legit and honest is, is a couple of good calls. No good having them sore, Mark, if, the last start winner, where do you get sore at? You know what I mean? No, no incident in the kitchen pen. He had a good section. He railed nice. He was nice and strong. He had a good drink, got hosed down after run, come, down, come home and had a feed. You'd like to think he's pretty well sound. But you go to the wrong clown, they'll have him break down in three different spots, trying to needle ear, manipulate ear, do that. That's, that's just a quick way to disaster. The, the wrong bloke checking your dog, tell the truth. And you know, Maka, like under the hip, the femoral nerve that runs down the leg, if you squeeze that, you're going to jump through the roof as well. So a lot of, it, you know, the muscle men who portray themselves to be geniuses and that, and, and again, I'm not bagging them, they, that's what they do, good luck to them. But you, you know, and you show me, mate, we can put our finger on a spot anywhere in a dog and make it squeal. 100% marking it. And it's not a lot of pressure. It's just the, the right areas where the nerve ends are, which are in every limb, follows the spine. Uh, a lot of neurons, you go flicking too many neurons, the dog will respond to you. But like you say, Mark, they, they get enough problems without some clown inventing problems. Tell the truth, if, if you can find an injury and work on it, and it's rewarding if they come back and win for you, you know you're in the right area and done the right thing by the animal. But there's what I've seen over a long, long period of time, there's blokes out there, you wouldn't let them pat your dog, Mark. Tell the truth, they just put you in the the wrong position in the wrong area straight away. So it's a hard one, that one, because there's not a lot to pick from. Maka, just finally, is common sense the best uh, the best trait that a, a trainer can have? Yeah, common sense, Mark, for sure. You've got to have a good eye, I think, Mark, for lots of little things where a lot of people don't even look for, you know what I mean? The other thing, you've got to follow your instinct, mate. Your gut instinct tells you your little things, whether you thought you'd done wrong. You always even myself, you're always thinking, why did I do that? Should I have done that? And you just come back to where all your results have come from, from a long, long time ago to where we are now. It's just about the dog being nice and happy and healthy, for one. Make sure he's warm at night. Make sure he's cool when he needs to be cool. He needs proper clean water like you would. We won't go in and get something out of the sitting in the tap out the back, the flies have been swinging on for a day or two. We go and get the clean stuff. 
so the dog get the, the clean stuff as well. So they need a rug on, they get a rug. They need an air condition, they get that. If they need the sprinkler system on to cool all that area down, they get that as well. But Mark, there's lots of little things. The traveling is another thing when it comes to a dog, mate, we like the air conditioning in the warm weather, so they should be traveling in the air condition to and from the track. They're just all them little things that add up to a big thing later on. So Mark, fair bit in it at a high level, but if you get one and the thrill you get out of them, if you can get a leap one is what makes you just keep doing them hours, Duke. That's that's the key to it. If you, you're dedicated and you're willing to cop a hiding seven days a week, not too many holidays involved, and, and be ready for the losses, but just keep working away. When you get losses, just have a look what went wrong. Did he miss the kick? Did he run off? Was he sword? Does he want to let up? Was it the wrong distance? Was it a corner start? Was it a bad draw? Did he crash left? Is he a wide runner? Well, you just sit down and work out the, the goods and the bads out of that run and go again. If you sound, go again. But young dogs, it can be a bit hard on them early days. So I like them to have about 10 or 15 starts. Work it all out from there. Mark the inside draw. Most young dogs that chase hard, they, they all crash at a young age, mate. They'll crash to the fence. That's all they ever got taught in a solo. So they've got to work it out for themselves. But it's all the little things that add up temperament. Obvious fast. You've got to begin to get a good one. He's, he's, he's got to keep stepping up, Mark. And there's there's a bit in it, mate. Hey, Mark, uh, great to talk to you. You know I love speaking with you about dogs. I love speaking to you about life anyway. But, mate, an unbelievable insight into how you train your dogs and, and what you do with it. I know how dedicated you are. I know a lot of other people also know that as well. Thank you so much for joining us on Behind the Boxes, mate. Um, best of luck for the future. I know you've got a good team in work at the moment. There's a couple more to come. So let's hope next year or the end of this year, I mean, your strike rate at the moment's through the roof, but 2022 could be another big year for Jay McKay. Yeah. Hey, thanks very much, Duke. Just quickly, I'm just, we've, we've seen the first couple of litres of Garth, and I mean only a few couple. I think he said 47 pups to race. His strike rate as a winner is 28%. He's had 80-odd winners. His pups earn a couple hundred thousand. We haven't even cracked the egg yet. He's got 300 litres to come, Duke, you know what I mean? So what we're seeing now is a great start, but we've seen nothing yet. What we're going to see is zipping Garf, mate. Yeah, good on you, mate. Hey, Macca, thanks so much for joining us, buddy, and uh, we'll see you trackside soon, mate. Thanks very much, Duke. Hey, Timmy, thanks very much, mate. You're a good man. Good on you, Jace. Take it easy. Uh, thank you, Macca. And, Timmy, time now for all our regular segments. What's hot, what's not. We've got a sponsor. I'll tell you about that in just a moment. First off, we um, let's talk about COVID protocols and the three-minute rapid antigen testings. Now, as of uh, October the 12th, uh, Greyhound Racing New South Wales this week released its COVID-safe protocol for all people attending uh, New South Wales Greyhound tracks as well as all GRNSW and Greyhounds as Pets facilities. And this applies to all participants, including uh, race and club officials, GRNSW staff, uh, media volunteers, contractors. Um, as from October the 12th, GRNSW will require any person uh, to, that is going to enter a Greyhound track to show proof of complete COVID-19 vaccination. That is two doses of the vaccine or they need to take a rapid antigen test at the track and receive a negative result. Now, this will take around about a five minute process, Timmy. It sure will, Duke, and it's a, it's a step forward. Uh, as you mentioned, October 12, either fully vaccinated or you've got to take that test. And if you do have got a negative test, in the gate you go. If not, well, off you go to get a, a, another test. Uh, so yeah, it's a step uh, forward, October 12, uh, it's interesting to see how uh, all other industries uh, handle it all and, and waiting for, you know, government announcements and, and everything regarding, you know, restaurants and, 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 and pubs and clubs and, and all of that as we move forward, Duke. But Graham Racing New South Wales have got on the front foot, uh, made this announcement uh, in the last few days. And, uh, yeah, it's certainly a step forward and it's, it's our uh, first step to get people back to the track as far as, you know, all trainers are concerned and as well as, uh, you know, patrons back on track as well. All right. As so I just mentioned, what's hot and what's not. It's that popular, Timmy. We've made it to the big league. We've got our own sponsor and our sponsor is Ivory Coat. Now, 
This is uh, great food for your greyhounds. They also have it for companion animals. I think they also make it for cats as well. It's currently available at Richmond and DAPTO. Special trainer discount supply and all the profits are going back into the industry. So contact your club for more information about where you can get Ivory Coat, our very, very prestigious sponsor of What's Hot, What's Not. Battler, what is hot for you this week? I've got to give a wrap to Tess Simmons, who trained four winners at Richmond last Wednesday, all from the same litter too, Jeff, uh, Duke, by uh, Zipping Dean out of Zipping Merlot. Uh, the winners were Zipping Gwyneth, Zipping Hansel, Zipping Esme, Zipping Piccolo. So four winners uh, for Tess Simmons at Richmond uh, last Wednesday. Uh, quite a feat. Uh, and actually, Duke, there's a good little backstory to this litter. Uh, Zipping Dean uh, was bred by Marty and Fiona Helen and the, the litter. Um, and uh, Zipping Dean actually, uh, actually, how can I say it, uh, jumped the fence <laughs> to uh, to go and uh, have a little bit of a date with with uh, Zipping Merlot, so it, it caused quite a few headaches for Marty and Fiona at the time. Had to get the Greyhound Zipping Dean registered as a stud dog, and and all the other regulatory uh, things that had to go um, take place afterward and everything. So uh, it's glad I'm glad to see them getting a, a bit of uh, some reward for all of the headaches which he certainly caused in the early days when this uh, with this litter. So uh, Zipping Dean Zipping Merlot. Litter. Um, now they've uh, five of the seven greyhounds to have raced have won out of the litter. So uh, yeah, um, it's uh, a litter with plenty of ability and uh, well done to Tess Simmons training four winners at Richmond last week. Yeah, Zipping Dean, not the first fence jumper in greyhound racing. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I'll tell you what's up for me. Track records, a spate of track records. We continue to have them. Uh, at Gunnedah last week, a maiden by the name of Little Burrito by Barcia Bale out of Zagatti. Uh, now, the previous 431-metre track record was held by Casual Glance, uh, electronically timed, uh, 25.56, I think it was. Little Burrito ran 24.48. Uh, Zagatti, of course, originally trained by Jackie Smith and then went down to Victoria, top-line stayer trained by Robbie Britton. The other track record came at Casino last Thursday. Uh, Lincoln Valley, trained by Davey Irwin, it ran 1660 over the 300 metres. And if we also talk about what's hot, Dave Irwin's hot at the moment. Again, long being regarded as one of our best conditioners, one of the great muscle men uh, of our industry. Uh, he's got dogs like San Polo, uh, Blue Carrot at the moment. They are absolutely flying. Both those dogs made the Grafton Maiden Classic when they were trained by Ned Snow. Uh, Davey's got him now. He's having a run to remember, but a maiden breaking a 431-metre mm. track record doesn't happen very often, mate. Yeah, it doesn't happen too often at all. And, uh, yeah, beautifully bred. Uh, now, what, that litter uh, out of Zagatti? What, Miss Esme, she's got three track records and now little Burrito one, so four track records from that litter so uh yeah talented type and I, I did actually hear an interview with uh with brian uh on little burrito and um the trainer and uh yeah quite surprised did get down to those figures but um yeah uh, certainly a talent one to follow and yeah you mentioned dave he's oh he's he's probably what well, how can you put it? if if if, uh, if Dave doesn't know something about Greyhound Racing Duke, it's not worth knowing. I've, I've known him since I was sort of my late teens. Uh, when he was based out on the beautiful Central Coast, he'd always race up the straight there at, uh, yeah. at Wyong, where it's where I cut my teeth as a race caller as an 18-year-old. And, yeah, um, now Dave, based up where you are, um, yeah, he's still training winner after winner. And, yeah, one of the best trainers this game has ever seen. We talk about muscle men. His, his dad, Jack, was an absolute legend of a man, mm. uh, a legend of a, 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 a guy being able to turn a cripple of a dog into a racing dog. So we've had a big day as far as muscle men today is concerned, but uh, Davey Irwin continues to say to train winner after winner. About what's not hot for you, of course, brought to you by Ivory Coat. What's not hot, and I love this part, the bookies. The bookies oh. copped a hammering last week, Duke. It was great to see. We had over uh, about 250 races run here in New South Wales last week. 44% of favourites winning those races. The average starting price around $2. 
and that for the favourites, and that is really low. It's generally up around the 240, 250 mark. So the favourites kept on rolling in, and a lot of skinny favourites as well. So, oh, gee, oh, oh, you know, yeah. the book, hey, book is you generally these get tears. Yeah, they're yeah. crocodile tears yeah. for the bookies, mate. Let me not, tell you. Not a hope in the world. So, yeah, it's always good to see the bookies copying a hammering juke. Um, so let's hope it just continues again this week. All right. Have you got one for us to follow that can hopefully create more mayhem for them? Yeah, a greyhound uh, by the name of Vincidor, which went around at Maitland on Monday. A uh, broke its uh, maiden uh, at its third run. It was oh, a certainty beat in its first two runs when finishing runner-up both times. It broke the duck at Maitland on Monday, began brilliantly straight to the top, ran a very quick 22.35 over the 400 metres, uh, trained by Crystal Hensing, who uh, has been doing a really, really good job with her greyhounds. Um, yeah, he's a he's a real talent. I think if he can if he can just make that next step to the five hundred meters as he matures, he could uh, really uh, go through his grades. By Fernando Bale at a Iona Champion Duke, uh, a repeat mating, um, and the the first letter produced O Mickey, who was a dual Derby winner. Yep. Uh, so uh, well bred, uh, Vencedor, and I believe uh, it's it's Portuguese. And when you translate it into English. It means winner. So it's certainly living up to that name. Are you amazed at the research I've just done? <laughs> I don't know where you pluck it from. I'm thinking it's a thing called Google or something. Is yeah, that Google. Right? Yeah, God. Yeah. How good yeah. is Google? How right, good here's, here's one you don't have to think too much about. Zipping Nazeko. I'm not sure what Nazeko means. Can you Google that for me while I talk about it? Trained <laughs> uh, by Jason Magri. Uh, won the Wentworth Park Gold Cup earlier this year. Resumed after a two-week break at Dapto. Ran 29.82 over the 500, running down Springview Magic at its mm. first run back. It will now head towards the Sydney Cup. The heats of that are on October the 6th, the final October 16, $75,000 to the winner. Zipping Nazeko, my dog to follow, more so Battler. What a cracker of a race the Sydney Cup is oh. going to be with the likes of, of uh, Zipping Nazeko, Miss Esme. She'll obviously go there over the 700. Super Estrella. The list goes on and on. It does, Duke. And I, I don't, uh, to be quite honest, I don't think I've been this excited at a, about a big race, of Wendy, which what isn't a Group One. Uh, well, it is a Group One race now, isn't it? The Sydney Cup. Um, I think it is. And yeah, it, it, for, for, for a number of years, like I'm talking when you're talking golden Easter eggs, a million dollar chases. Yeah, you're excited about those type of races. But oh, these these stays, Miss Esme. Look, I, the more and more I look at her and what she has done. I think she's the most exciting star I've seen in in two decades here in New South Wales. Uh, just her racing probably, traits, yeah, yeah. just her racing traits get me excited yeah. because I love a front running star. Normally, the, the the back markers attract all of the the attention, and there's nothing better than watching a back marker, you know, give away fifteen lengths, twenty lengths, and reel them in. But she's a front running star. Uh, she 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 can make her own luck and. Gee whiz! As I said, I think she's the most exciting prospect we've had for a long, long time. Yeah, this will be a great, great series. The Sydney Cup has set the heats on October six. Hey, the rumor file battler, boy, haven't we got some feedback about this? <laughs> <laughs> some of the rumors I just simply cannot mention. Uh, but one of the big rumors going around at the moment: a couple of big, big money offers for some very smart dogs. Uh, a couple here in New South Wales. Obviously, we've got the Phoenix. Um, we're still deciding and we'll have news about how we're going to go through our selection panel for the slot, the GRNSW one. But uh, some big money offers going around. The dogs obviously heading to the Phoenix. Hopefully, they get that slot. Or to $2 million chases next year. Could be game, set and match for one of them. Yeah. It's hardly surprising, though, Duke, if you can get... A number of people together and, and form a cynic and, and and you're prepared to pay big dollars for a talented greyhound because you look at between what december and what september next year over 2.7 million dollars in prize money as far as uh winning races are concerned so yeah it's hardly surprising that the, the big money offers are coming because uh and you've got to pay the big money these days duke i uh, particularly over the last three or four years i've noticed how Difficult it is to buy a dog unless you're, oh. you're prepared to pay the overs. You've you've got to really delve into the pocket. If you in the old days, you might say, "Oh yeah, you might be able to pick it up for thirty or forty thousand. 
not anymore. You're going to 80 or 90 to probably get those dogs that you're getting for 30 or 45, six years ago from what I've seen. So, uh, yeah, hardly surprising. You've got to mention just on that, uh, on the on the tab, Phoenix, um, there is a whisper a couple of the uh, uh, slot holders are uh, talking to, you know, a couple of Victorian big name kennels about maybe doing some sort of a deal and, uh, you know, latching into one of those great, the, the kennels greyhounds to go for, for the uh, Phoenix. So I'm sure plenty to play out in the next three or four weeks as far as that's concerned. And that's always interesting with these type of races. And we've seen it with the Everest in the thoroughbreds. There's a lot of toing and froing and a few deals done here and there to see how, what, how everybody does land with which whatever um, greyhound they do at the end. Yeah. And uh, the rumor is some of those big cash, cash offered uh, around the $250,000 mark. Wow. So we're yeah. talking big, big dollars. I don't think, from mm. what I'm going to believe, uh, the dogs won't be sold. They'll stay where they are at the moment. Uh, and out of respect to the people who own the dogs, so again, I can't tell you who they are, but that's the rumour. Uh, so big money there. Hey, very quickly, Battler, happy birthday to my dad. He is 84 years of age today. Still going strong. Uh, the man responsible for me getting into punting and the dogs and everything else in my life. So happy birthday, Johnny boy. Uh, 84 today. It's uh, He still plays golf, still punts. Seriously. Hopefully longevity is part of it. I'd like to be travelling as well as him at 84 then, Duke, being oh. able to get around. I know I'll be, I'll be in a nursing home somewhere, I imagine. Hopefully the yeah. kids still come and see me at 84. But, uh, yeah, he's, 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 he's going well if he's still doing that he at, is. at that age. Still lives at home by himself, plays golf once or twice a week, punts, does the whole thing. So happy birthday, Dad. Hey, listen, uh, our GAP ambassador, Ryan Pappenhausen, will line up this week for the Melbourne Storm. In the prelim final, they take on Penrith. The other game, of course, is South uh, taking on Manly. But uh, best of luck to Paps in that big one. Yeah, good luck to Ryan. I hope he plays uh, really well. He has a great game. <laughs> I'm cheering Penrith, I've got to say. I've backed them to win the comp. I've backed them on Saturday. So, um, look, you only got to talk through your pocket, Duke. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I hope Ryan plays a good game. But, um, I know, you know, I live 25 k's from Penrith. You got to you got to support the Sydney team. So, ah, oh, true Westy, eh? True Westy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you've changed definitely. You've changed. You've moved to the Big McMansion and. and all the <laughs> oh, hey, listen. Uh, on the weekend, we had the Irish Derby run at Shelburne Park at Dublin, one of the great greyhound tracks in the world. It was worth one hundred and twenty-five thousand euro, around two hundred thousand Australian. Uh, Bitches won and ran first and second in that race to me, which is quite remarkable because here, of course, we have the Derby and the Futurity. They are restricted to males and or females only. Uh, so the Irish Derby run and won on uh, the weekend at Shelburne Park. Yeah, first bitch to win since uh, 1999, Duke. So uh, some sort of feed and geez, that's got to be on the bucket list to get to an Irish Derby. I know you have been there, haven't you? I've been to Shelburne Park. I never went to an Irish Derby, but I've got to tell you, Timmy, it was one of the great nights. I was lucky. I went to. I've been to Wimbledon in, in uh, well, the now defunct Wimbledon track in in London. Went to Wembley there as well. But Shelburne Park, just something else, mate. Silver service dining in the grandstand, overlooking you know glass enclosure, uh, overlooking the uh, the track and that. And boy, the Irish and the Palms. When you go trackside there, it's it's a totally different vibe. I mean, mm. I know that we, you know, our, our punters are, you know, boisterous and vocal. These guys, particularly the Irish, they take it to another level, mate. Yeah, it, uh, I've seen the vision. It looks fantastic to be there. And that's what Paula's always said to me. She said, you've got to get to Ireland. We've got to get to Ireland. She said, <laughs> she said she's been there. She said, oh, you will love Ireland uh, more than anything. It's one part of the world that you will love getting. I don't know why she's suggesting Island wide, I'd like getting there, but you know, uh, you know, hey, I actually I've got an idea. What about next year or the year after when the world opens up a bit, uh, a bit easier? Why don't we, uh, you know, Duke and Battler's tour to the Irish Derby? Got me, okay. got me. <laughs> Surely we get a sponsor for that. I wonder if Ivory Coat want to sponsor that. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been on some tours and I've led some tours overseas and they are unbelievable. I, 
I reckon that is absolute spot on. The behind the boxes. Yeah. We, we'll talk to Stevie Kavner. He'll give us yeah. the leg up as far as the Irish caution is concerned. Mm. But that derby, the Irish derby, uh, you know, run early September. It sounds perfect for us battler. Susie Sapphire was the winner, actually, and Sing Along Sally ran second, in case you're wondering, but you've just seen the replay anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but yeah, no, I spent a week in Dublin one night, actually, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Was... yeah, I'm an ideas man, Duke. I'm an ideas man, and I think we've got to work on that. We've got to talk right. to, I don't know, there'll be a travel company out there somewhere. And, Ambassador uh, Travel. Yes, Ambassador Travel. We've got a sponsor, and oh, I... I reckon I might be able to get a leave pass due to the fact it's work, you know? Right, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't have to get a leave pass. I was going to say, yeah, cards. you don't need one. How is the love life going? Anyway, have you been on been on Tinder and done There's a little nothing, mate. No, 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 no. I'm just concentrating on getting the kennel set up, getting the yards done. I've got lots of other things. I don't have time. I haven't even been to the club, haven't been to a pub. I've just been like a monk who pumps. Right? Well, yeah. Any ladies out there listening exactly. or watching that behind show, the boxes, btb.grnsw.com.au, yeah, yeah. that is our where that is our email address. Yeah. As long as they live in a five kilometer radius here at Drafton, that's cool. Oh, you'll go to ten kilometers. Ten kilometers. Ten kilometers don't get as much more, mate. Seventy k's down the road to cost. That's the nearest big town. <laughs> hey, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Anything else you'd like to add, mate? Any online shopping or anything? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I bought another pair of shoes. I bought, right. <laughs> bought six pairs of shoes since I've been in lockdown. I don't go that many places to wear that. I was you know, going to say, where are you wearing the I shoes? Don't, I don't. Well, I'm not. I'm going from the house into this office and back to the house. And I might make a trip up to Coles once every three or four days. That's all I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going to wear all these shoes. But uh, anyway, I did get a suggestion about buying a sumo suit. Um Hmm. Well, actually, I did have a look at it and I thought it might be a bit of fun with the kids. You put it on in the back and go around the backyard and assume I said, anyway, well, we might yeah, look so, further into so that. Will and Sam are hey big and hey big. Yeah, yeah. 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 Can you well, imagine? You're looking for an easy win, are you, mate? Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I do happen to go there, maybe I'll, you know, put it on and wear it on the last show of the year or something. If we, if we, if we last that long, we might not even get to the end of the year, right? <laughs> There's a lot of competition out there, Battler. You know? Yeah, apparently there is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's got to keep it on the screen. I've, I've got to get on. I've got to get onto social media and work out where all this other competition is. Yeah, I'm living in under a rock. You know what I'm like as far as social media is concerned. Haven't we waffled on today? <laughs> Jason McKay was the star, yeah. as he always is. A great, uh, great bloke, great trainer. And uh, we thank you very much for his time. Thank you, Battle. It's going to be a big week coming up. Don't forget those COVID protocols kick in in early October. And uh, we look forward. I wonder how many more track records in the next week. Oh, there's got to be a few. Imagine they all tumbled the last couple of months. Chat next week, Duke. Good on you, Battle. That is Timmy, the Battler Newbold here on Behind the Boxes. I'm Mark Duclos. We'll catch you next week. Until then, good luck, good punning. Bye for now.